I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. The January 6th committee has fired back with a scathing statement about Donald Trump after Donald Trump refused to appear at his scheduled deposition before the January 6th committee, pursuant to a lawful subpoena issued by the January 6th committee for Trump's appearance and for Trump's documents. Leading up to the date of Donald Trump's deposition, his lawyers, including Alina Haba, said that she thought that Donald Trump should show up and testify before the January 6th committee because she said he has nothing to hide. But of course, we here at the Midas Touch Network and you uh, who have watched this network, we all knew that Donald Trump was not going to show up before the January 6th committee. Donald Trump's entire life has trying to duck and dodge depositions and subpoenas and accountability. And he appeals that all the way up to the Supreme Court to try to delay, delay, delay. And so there was no chance, in my view, that Trump was ever going to show up before the January 6th committee. Um, so on Friday, Donald Trump's lawyers, a new set of lawyers, filed a lawsuit in federal court in the Southern District of Florida. Unfortunately, it was appointed to a Trump appointee, Judge Rudolfo A. Ruiz, the second, um, and Judge Ruiz was appointed by Trump, who will now be overseeing this case for declaratory relief, where Trump argues that uh, based on the separation of powers, a past president should have no obligation and can't be compelled to testify before a congressional committee. Now, there's no law at all supporting that. I'll go and explain to you what Trump put in his lawsuit, what the arguments are that he's making. I think those arguments are invalid and lack legal merit, and that's what the January 6th committee said in their statement as well. But I don't know what Judge Ruiz is going to do. Um, and if Judge Ruiz is anything like Judge Eileen Cannon in the Southern District of Florida, that could be problematic. But just because Trump appointees are overseeing Trump cases hasn't always mean that they've ruled in Trump's favor. But let me read for you the statement by the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee states, Former President Trump has refused to comply with the select committee's subpoena requiring him to appear for a deposition. His attorneys have made no attempts to negotiate an appearance, and his lawsuit parades out many of the same arguments that courts have rejected repeatedly. Donald Trump orchestrated a scheme to overturn a presidential election and block the transfer of power. He is obligated to provide answers to the American people. The committee will evaluate next steps in the litigation and regarding the former president's noncompliance. And I think it bears repeating here what the January 6th committee repeated in the statement multiple times. Former President Trump, former president's noncompliance because a former president is not above the law at all, despite the fact that Donald Trump's lawyers and his MAGA extremist cult followers still call him president. He is not. And fortunately, the voters in the midterm elections, by and large, repudiated the MAGA extremist, dangerous, weird 
echo chamber. I want to read for you the statement that was released by Trump's lawyer, David Warrington of the Dillon Law Group, concurrently with the filing of the lawsuit that Trump brought on Friday. Um, and I want to then explain to you why the statement is completely wrong. Warrington, Trump's lawyer, writes, long-held precedent and practice maintain that separation of powers prohibits Congress from compelling a president to testify before it. After the January 6th committee has undertaken the unprecedented act of demanding President Trump appear for a deposition on Monday, November 14th, he engaged with the committee in a good faith effort to resolve these concerns consistent with executive branch prerogatives and separation of powers. But this partisan committee insists on pursuing a political path, leaving President Trump with no choice but to involve the third branch, the judicial branch in this dispute between the executive and legislative branches. President Trump joins presidents of both parties in insisting that the legislative branch honor the boundaries set forth in the Constitution instead of catering to base partisan impulses. Should I rip this statement apart here? Okay, instead of catering to base partisan impulses, Donald Trump led an insurrection against our country, and the January 6th committee is bipartisan. We have Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, and Liz Cheney's the co-chair. And so the last time um, I thought about it, that is a bipartisan committee, and Liz Cheney is a Republican. She's not a MAGA extremist cult leader. Then you go on to say that President Trump, first off, he's not the president, joins president of both parties. Who, who are you referring to there? Who are the presidents? of both parties. That is an inaccurate statement, and I will then explain to you why that's a completely inaccurate statement there. You next say he engaged with the committee in a good faith effort to resolve these concerns. No, he didn't. The committee completely said you completely ignored them and blew them off and didn't do anything. I will take the committee's statement of facts here of what took place over yours. And then it being an unprecedented act of demanding a former president, there's nothing unprecedented about that. There have been many former presidents who have testified before congressional committees. So when the January 6th committee sent the subpoena to Trump, they very smartly realized that Trump's lawyers were going to put forth these frivolous arguments because we know Trump's playbook. Trump has like three moves or four moves. And so the January 6th committee, when they sent the subpoena several weeks back, they attached a letter to the subpoena and the letter set forth um, what the actual precedent was. And this is what they say in the letter that they sent to Trump. We recognize that a subpoena to a former president is a significant and historic action. We do not take this action lightly, but as you likely know, you would not be the first former president to testify before Congress or to receive a congressional subpoena. Former presidents John Quincy Adams, John Tyler, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, Herbert Hoover, Harry Truman, and Gerald Ford each testified before Congress after they left office. President Roosevelt explained during his congressional testimony, quote, an ex-president is merely a citizen of the United States, like any other citizen, and it is his plain duty to try to help this committee or respond to its invitation. The letter goes on to say, even sitting presidents, including Abraham Lincoln and Gerald Ford, also testified before Congress. 
Further, both former and sitting presidents, including President Nixon, Tyler, and Quincy Adams, have provided evidence in response to congressional subpoenas. So when Trump says presidents from both parties in making this, in insisting this, it's just completely false. And again, it shouldn't surprise you that Trump would lie about literally everything, but he does. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond, plus sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. When you go to the Trump's lawsuit uh, that he filed in federal court in Southern District of Florida, and you're trying to search for like what precedent is he referring to? Like, what are the lawyers referring to there? And if you go to paragraph five on page three, he refers to this letter that was sent by uh, President Truman when he was a no longer the president in response to a subpoena from the United States House of Representatives Committee on Un-American Activities. And this is what Truman wrote. Truman wrote, it must be obvious to you that if the doctrine of separation of powers and the independence of the presidency is to have any validity at all, it must be equally applicable to a president after his term of office has expired, when he is sought to be examined with respect to any acts occurring while he was president. The doctrine would be shattered and the president, contrary to our fundamental theory of constitutional government, would become a mere arm of the legislative branch of the government if he would feel during his term of office that his every act might be subject to official inquiry and possible distortion for political purposes. And this was a letter from Harry S. Truman to the Honorable Harold H. Veldy, November 11th, 1953, from the Truman Library. Now, this 1953 letter is not a judicial precedent at all. Harry Truman did not try to overthrow the United States government. Harry Truman did not lead an insurrection against the United States government. Harry Truman did not have Truth Social or... Twitter or social media or right-wing extremist media that he would go on and brag about trying to overthrow the United States government. And this is not a judicial opinion. What the judicial opinions have actually said is that there is a legislative prerogative and the legislative prerogative in conducting these investigations would permit the legislative branch to ask questions even of a former president. I mean, if we just look at a decision that was reached recently by Judge Carl Nichols, when Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, tried to assert executive privilege to block his testimony before the January 6th committee after he was supposed to be deposed back in uh, December, last December. What Carl Nichols said uh, is that based on the speech and debate clause immunity in the Constitution, that Mark Meadows was not even entitled to sue the January 6th committee. And repeatedly, we've seen 
uh, people try to assert executive privilege to avoid testifying, and they have not prevailed in, in that at all. And so I don't think a executive privilege claim of a former president here, especially here where Trump's conduct was not in furtherance of his duties as a president. I mean, his conduct was part of a political effort to overthrow a free and fair election. So I don't think Trump wins uh, the lawsuit if the judge is being fair and impartial. And again, I, I don't know how this judge is going to side on a Trump lawsuit before him. Is he going to be like Judge Eileen Cannon or is he going to be like Judge Nichols? Judge Nichols, who I just mentioned, was a Trump or is a Trump appointed judge who made those rulings about Mark Meadows. So you have different types of rulings from Trump appointed judges, but we'll see what Judge Ruiz uh, ends up uh, ends up doing here. Um, but the January 6th committee, um, their mandate is set to expire at the end of the year. So one of the questions also becomes, if the January 6th committee is no longer here, what's going to happen with these, uh, with this subpoena, with this lawsuit, with their efforts? One thing that's been floated, which I find very interesting, which is why I think the Georgia runoffs are so important, is that if Democrats can gain a 51 Senate control over the Senate, um, if Raphael Warnock can defeat Herschel Walker and there's 51 Democrats, then Democrats can get subpoena power in the Senate, which they know, which they don't have right now. And I think that the investigation this is an interesting point, could potentially be transferred from the January 6th committee to a Senate committee, which could continue the work. We have to look into that a little more to see what the Senate's view of it is, because the senators may view investigations like that differently than the House. But that is a possibility that we should be aware of. Um, but I think what we're going to find here is the January 6th committee very aggressively uh, responding to the litigation initiated by Trump, compelling him. And I think one of their last acts that will probably happen soon, because they don't even have to wait for the court to do this, is issue and make a vote of contempt of Congress for Trump not appearing um, and to find Trump in contempt. And it'll be interesting to see, too, if they can get any additional bipartisan support of it, especially as Trump has been repudiated in the midterm election. So we will uh, follow all of that up here on the Midas Touch Network. So I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit the subscribe button right now. And in addition, consider becoming a patron of the Midas Touch Network by going to Patreon dot com slash Midas touch p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Midas touch we are not funded by any outside investor so we're purely accountable to you so wherever you are in the world if you go to patreon.com slash Midas touch join one of those subscriptions no pressure if you can do it but if you can it goes a long way to build this independent network so we could keep growing bigger than that both sides media and the pro-fascist media. I think independent media is needed more now than ever. And there's nothing more I love than being only accountable to the people out there and not these uh, big investors who have their own interests and uh, prerogatives. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Thanks so much. Hit subscribe.